I want to welcome you today as we start a new series called Stay Positive. It's good to be with you today wherever you are. Some of you are in homes and watching this uh, all by yourselves. We are glad you are here with us. Some of you are gathered together in your homes. And combined with all of these little gatherings, I want to welcome all of you from our online campus and campuses all over the place. We're so glad that you're here. We are certainly navigating a challenging time. And it's so challenging that I think a really good place for us to go together is this new series called Stay Positive. I'm going to be borrowing some material from other uh, church resources, but then adding a whole bunch of my own material that uh, is really, it's for you. But to tell you the truth, I need this probably more than you. I need to stay positive as we lead forward through difficult times. And I've told uh, you before that uh, we've got some challenges ahead of us as we're navigating some of these transitions together as a church. Now, at the risk of sounding less than positive, let me just say to you, aren't you just sick and tired of all the bad news? And so we're looking at this title today, Enough of the Bad News. There's just a lot of bad news coming our direction all the time. And wherever we turn and all the conversations we're at, whatever uh, news app we're looking at or news station we're uh, watching, we're hearing about people dying and unemployment rising and economy uh, really shocked and struggling and just Bad news after bad news after bad news. And then we're also looking at a a nation that's divided. And they're divided about everything. And people are in disagreement about just about everything related to the crisis that we're in. Whether masks help or don't help. And there's just kind of an edginess to it. I've heard stories about people uh, just kind of stressing over and then just saying some mean things to people who are wearing masks and gloves. And I've heard the reverse, where the people who are wearing masks and gloves are saying edgy and stressful things and, uh, and mean things to people who aren't. And we're just living in a time where we need to figure out how, how do we stay positive when all of us are feeling a little bit more stressed, a little bit more on edge. So, To tell you the truth, I have been surprised as layers and layers and layers of stress are coming my direction as it relates to uh, navigating this together for us as a church and and looking to our various teams and the experts and evaluating how this is all going to go. I've been challenged by it all and I spill into a place where uh, it can be a little anxious, a little stressful, a little edgy. And so I need this series. I believe you're going to need this series. We're going to have to figure out how to stay positive together. I think the best place for us to begin this series is the words of Jesus. We've looked at this before. We're going to look at it again. I think you'll find it to be helpful. Jesus tells us, and it's recorded by the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So there's an interesting contrast here that Jesus gives us. His, his peace is being contrasted with the peace that the world gives. And those are two different kinds of peace. I mean, really, the world gives a peace, and the way the world achieves peace is completely different than the peace that Jesus gives. Think about it. I think 
when we are trying to get to a place that's a little bit more calm, a little less stressed, a, a little bit more peaceful, the method we use from a worldly vantage point is perhaps, perhaps to escape the stress, to uh, seek whatever it is that sort of tranquilizes the, the stress inside of our lives, whether it's comfort foods or entertainment or just getting out and breathing the air or just uh, eliminating the stressors and to get to, to a place where we're just in a place where it's a little bit calm. That's how the world gives escape, tranquilizers, just the negation of the conflict. And some people are just done done with this season, wishing it just would all go away, and so we're hoping for that kind of peace. Well, it isn't going away as fast as we'd like, and yet Jesus gives us a peace in the middle of it, and his peace is different. It's right during the crisis, right in the middle of the difficulty. It's a peace that he gives us even while he calls us to take up our cross, which is anything but peaceful. It's an instrument of our own walking towards our own persecution, our own death, like his death, where we're going straight towards the difficult, and yet he gives us a peace from the inside. It's not peaceful circumstances on the outside. He gives us a peace on the inside through the power of his spirit because of what he's done to make us at peace with ourselves and at peace with God. So we need to figure out how do we get there? How do we fight for this kind of peace? How do we fight for this kind of faith? How do we fight for the ability to look at what God is doing good in the middle of what seems so bad? That's the kind of staying positive that we're looking at in this series. Jesus gives us some more thoughts here in John chapter 16, 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So it's not in the comfort foods, it's not in the tranquilizer, whatever thing it is that helps you feel calmer. It's not in the externals. I'm giving you something deeper. I'm giving you something from within. I'm giving you the power of the Spirit so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. And we're going to be in trouble from now until we are with God forever in this world. But he's going to give us a peace in the middle of this trouble. Take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. So we need to figure out what this staying positive looks like, what this faith-filled optimism is all about today. And so point number one, optimism is not ignorance, or denial. And we're going to talk about, in contrast, what it is, but right now, optimism is not ignorance or denial. Some people are just accusing everybody who looks at this thing in a negative way, as, as uh, some people are saying, that's just denial. Others are saying, the others are saying, it's just a hoax, that's denial. And we're not talking about optimism based on any kind of ignorance or any kind of denial. We're going to look at optimism from a foundational uh, worldview that is the worldview that comes from Jesus. So this optimism is not ignorance or denial. It is, A, on your outline, confidence. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we read this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 
That's a mouthful. Confidence in what we hope for. Biblical hope is a solid hope. It's not a, I hope this happens. I hope that someday this comes through. It's a solid thing. And it's based on confidence. Confidence in who God is. He's the God who can see the future even though we can't see the future. For the assurance about what we do not see. We cannot see what's coming down the road. We cannot see how this transition is going to go. We don't have the ability to look ahead like God can see it. But we can have confidence as we take hold of the hand of our God who sees what we cannot see. And we can have assurance and solid hope based on our trust in God. Jesus has overcome. And Jesus is showing us the way. And so we trust the promises. These promises that come from Jesus, these promises that come from God are as sure about the future as if they had already happened. When God says it, it's done. It's coming. Just like when he spoke the world into existence, it just comes by sheer words from God. When he says it, it's as good as done. And so we have a solid hope based on the assurance of what God's faithfulness and what he says. I want us to consider this, reflect at this point. Optimism is confidence about the future or a successful outcome. So it's based on God, even though we can't see into the future. So this confidence leads to, be on your outline, expectation expectation. Let's go into a reflect first to build off of what we're looking at. Optimism is the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. So he's working in good situations for our good. He's working in bad situations for our good. He is working no matter what the situation that you're experiencing for your good. If you trust him, if you love him and you're receiving his grace, he's working for your good. This is the kind of expectation that we have and we can build it not based on a denial or a ignorance, but based on God's word and his promises. So here it is, Romans 8, 28, one place where we see such expectation. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So he can take very bad circumstances, what seems like it's to our detriment, and he is going to work it around to our future good. That is our expectation. It's not wishful thinking. It's based on a promise from God, and we can build expectation into our way of thinking. Confidence, expectation, and see on your outline, faith. So looking at Hebrews 11.1 1 again, now with the emphasis on faith, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let's talk about faith for a moment. Faith isn't just, oh, I believe in God, like a mental believing. Oh yeah, I believe he's real. I believe he exists. 
Faith is a trust in the God who we say exists. It's a trust so much so that when God says, here's what you believe in, we trust him and actually believe that. He says, here's what you must do. That's what's going to be good for you. We don't pick and choose. We trust him enough and believe that he's working out what's best for us, that we trust him and we do it. That's called obedience. We submit to him, even though it may be difficult, because we trust him. You don't question the God that you love. You love him so much, you trust him so much that you want to obey him, even though inside of you there's dangerous desires pulling the opposite direction. You love him so much that you trust him. So faith is this kind of confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This trust literally shapes the way you think, literally shapes your life. It changes your whole outlook from negative and complaining and grumbling to staying positive because we have every reason to stay positive. And so I want to talk about that now as we're looking at what optimism is. It's confidence, it's expectation, it's faith, and it is mindset. D on your outline, mindset. It literally shapes your outlook, shapes the way you think. It shapes your mindset so that you can stay in a positive way of evaluating and looking at things when you're trusting God. I want to talk about that some more. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, have you noticed this mindset? You can have a mindset in the wrong place, total negative, total Uh, grumbling, negative outlook, because you're kind of going with your flesh, your dangerous desires, your bodily appetites, the refuge you seek in the wrong places. But if you're trusting in God and allowing the Spirit to govern your life, your mind is set on what the Spirit desires. Verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh, if you let flesh, what your body says will make you happy right now, when it's contrary to what God says, and you're not trusting God and what he says, but you're trusting what you want right now, that mindset is death. You're never going to find any place good there. It's negative. But the mind governed by the spirit is life. And peace. So we need to keep in mind what Jesus is describing as life and peace. It's a different kind of life and peace than, oh, I really feel like I'm living when I satisfy these cravings. It's a different kind of a life that comes from the Spirit where you're learning about this is true life, this is true peace, and it isn't about just the circumstances around you, whether it feels peaceful or feels like life. It is something that comes from within. So I want to put that together a little bit in a reflect that we look at. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. Your mind habits, meditations is a biblical word for that, to create a habit of thought in your mind. 
Your mind habits control your life. Your words and actions, positive or negative, are evidence of what governs your mind. Stay positive. Meditation is the bridge between thoughts and outcomes. Okay, so we have thoughts come our direction. They kind of come and go. But if you meditate on those thoughts, you keep thinking those thoughts. Those thoughts create grooves that shape your life. Those thoughts are streaming into your life. And what streams into your life becomes your life movie. It's the bridge from thinking to what you actually end up saying. It's the bridge from thinking to what you actually end up doing. The outcome of your life will always start with your mind and the meditations of your mind. So you're going to have to learn how to guard the way you think and to root out the negative patterns of thinking that are getting to be problematic for you. Because you're never going to go to a good place in a negative outlook. You're going to have a negative outcome. But in a faith, confidence, optimistic outlook that is based on your trust in God, it comes out of your life as staying positive and positive outcomes come out. Romans 8, 18, Paul wrote, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What Paul went through and what the believers he's writing to were going through are far tougher than the season that we're going through. And he's saying this thing that we're experiencing, this present suffering that we're experiencing, they were literally, uh, some of them were going to die for their faith. And he says that is not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. This tough thing that we're going through is just a small thing compared to the eternal good thing we're going to go through together. So here's the power of a positive thought on the screen. The struggle I'm in today is producing the strength I need tomorrow. All right, Jim, you've been giving us a lot of food for thought. But I'm having trouble living there. I'm stressing out. I'm fearful all the time. I'm struggling. You're telling me to stay positive. You're giving me some good food for thought, but I'm just having a hard time staying there. Hey, I'm with you. I, I know this in my head, but I struggle too. I get bombarded by the stresses and the pressures, and I'm having trouble staying there. So I want to go a step further and give us some practicalness to this as we try to figure out how do we stay positive. That's point number two. How do you stay positive? A on your outline, first ask yourself where you stay. Where you stay. We're going to turn now to Psalm 46. It's a, the whole thing's a great psalm, but we're going to just jump into several thoughts here. Psalm 46.1 begins, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge. Refuge, it's where we shelter. We've been told shelter in place. There's a shelter in place. If you get out of the refuge, you're going to get infected. Now we're saying, okay, now the infection's going down enough to where we can kind of get to our businesses and get back to normal. But shelter is refuge. 
God is our refuge. So we need to do more than shelter in place. We need to shelter in God. We need to take refuge in God. We need to shelter in his grace. We need to shelter in that place of trust. So if we're struggling with fear and anxiety, and in these fears, we can't seem to get ourselves out of the fear, here's a real practical thing. We need to ask ourselves, where are we staying? Where are we taking refuge? Are you camping out in front of all the bad news? You need to starve the thing that's fueling your fears and fuel the thing that fuels your faith. And so if you starve your fears, it's going to mean limiting the amount of bad news that you're taking in and maximizing the amount of good news that you're taking in. Your focus cannot be on the bad news if you're going to stay positive. Your focus needs to be on God as your refuge and strength. And you're going to need to go to him and stay there and camp out with him and shelter with him if you want to experience God as your refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So here's a truth that I know. Although I know this truth, if I'm staying somewhere else, I'm feeding an error and fear is going to come out. If I'm not going to God when I'm stressed out and trying to fix it on my own and go to news as the information that I need to solve it, rather than God in prayer who knows the answers to these uncertainties, the outcomes are completely different. I've been up and down, up and down throughout any given day. If I go back and stay with God and pray again, I stay positive. If I go back to the negative and focus on the negative, I get edgy and stressed and negative. And I think that maybe you identify with that too. So ask yourself, where have you been staying and where do you stay? Be on your outline. When God is our refuge, we will not fear. If we keep reading Psalm 46, 1 through 3, let's complete the thought. Well, actually just through 2. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So take refuge in God. He is an ever-present help. He's always there to turn to. Keep turning to him. Now let's jump down to verse 10 as we move beyond that thought to a harder thought. In verse 10, God says, be still and know that I am God. I want to make this really personal uh, as it relates to a life lesson that I had to learn, but it's not like once and done. I've got this learned. I'm always good at this. Back when I was engaged, um, I had a ruptured appendix. I was in the hospital 10 days. Day five and six and seven were really, really hard because it seemed like I was not getting better. The internal functions were not returning. My body was just not cooperating with the surgery to remove all of the infection, scarring galore. I had a patient surgeon who waited, and I'm glad he did because eventually things came back without more drastic surgery. My sister gave me this plaque. There's a placid, peaceful scene of an ocean with rugged rocks in the foreground. And then there's this line that I just read out of Psalm 46.10 that says, Be still and know that I am God. It hangs in my office today because I'm a guy who wants to fix it. 
I'm a guy who wants to take charge and solve the problem. I'm a guy that needs a plan and I need the information to solve the plan. Well, folks, we need to be still and know that God is in charge. He's still God. And we can take refuge in him. I think the picture is great. The plaque is great. But I have another picture on my wall at home of a lighthouse. It's a huge lighthouse in the middle of an ocean and an angry ocean. And a little tiny man is, is in the doorway of that lighthouse. Now, if you want to Google just a, a man in lighthouse with huge wave, I think you'll find a number of these pictures where this huge wave is engulfing the life lighthouse, but the refuge is right there in the lighthouse. If you step outside of refuge in God, you're into the storm and without the refuge and without the safety. But if you are taking refuge in God, where he knows the outcomes, he's working out his purposes and plans, where you and your opinion is not what matters. God and his opinion is what matters. What God brings and how he's bringing us through is what matters most. If you take refuge there and be still and wait and know that God is still God, he's gonna show up and show off and we're going to trust him through it. That's what I can't wait to see. I'm optimistic, filled with expectation, filled with faith and confidence that God is going to show up and show off in our midst. Let's just look to him and take refuge in him and wait upon him. I don't have time to go into a lot of the details of this psalm, but one of the most powerful details is one that's easily overlooked, and it's who wrote this psalm. It's written by the sons of Korah. And if you'll take a look at your YouVersion app and see the questions at the bottom, there's one question that tells you to read Numbers 16. And it asks a series of questions to get at this overlooked truth, a life lesson never forgotten by the sons of Korah. And you can read that on your own. Let me just go bypass the story and let you look it up. Here's the thing. Staying positive is for your own good. Staying negative is very dangerous to you and very dangerous to all those around you. It's very dangerous for a church and it's very dangerous for what God wants to see happen with us. So we need to stay positive. Here's a summary for today. Actively taking refuge in God is how you stay positive. It looks like confidence and it comes from faith. This positive, confident faith is built slowly over time through difficulties as we develop a mindset, a mind that is habitually taking refuge on God as our center, our source of strength, and our ever-present help. Stay positive. I would like to finish with a kind of a positive quote from a, a godly man by the name of A.W. Tozer. He wrote, anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. How are you doing? Are you struggling? 
Are you fearful? Are you anxious? Are you filled with regret? Are you filled with guilt? Let me encourage you with some good news. We've all been there. Our lives were a mess. My life was bad news. My life still slips into bad news when I take my eyes off of Jesus. Jesus is good news. He is always good news. He brings healing to our soul. He brings hope to our future. There's no wishful thinking involved. It is a solid hope. We can trust it. We can bank on it. It's guaranteed. He died and resurrected from the dead. He released resurrection authority over our lives. He released forgiveness over our lives. We need to look to Jesus for the good news we need to walk with him today and tomorrow and the next few weeks and the next few months and the rest of our lives. Good news is in front of us forever if we clasp the life of Jesus and embrace Jesus and follow Jesus, we have every reason to stay positive because he has overcome the world. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are small and you have all authority in heaven and on earth. You are the victorious king, the mighty I am, the son of God who gave himself up for us. We thank you for washing away all of the bad news in our lives. We thank you for absorbing it and taking it away. We thank you for forgiving us even for our negativity and our grumbling, our struggles, our difficulty trusting. We reach out to you today in trust, in worship. We trust you. We worship you. We honor you. We follow you. We want to stay faith-filled because you are faithful. We want to look to you because you deserve all the honor. You gave your life for us. We live for you. Lord, I pray for those who are in this online campus and listening today that as your spirit is tugging and urging, that if any need to take a step and drop some bad news out of their life and turn to you as good news, that they would just talk to somebody about it. Perhaps right in social media right now, perhaps with a phone call with somebody they know knows you. Help people to move from wherever they are, just another step closer to the good news of who you are and what you want for the good news of our lives. We thank you that we can trust you for a great story. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. See you next week for another episode of Stay Positive.